Alright, welcome back to Swell Times Podcast. It's still your man, MC Sammy T, double O Heaven. Um, <laughs> that's just my intro. Don't laugh at me too hard, Steve. Uh, it is a... <laughs> It is another very special episode. Unfortunately, Mitch can't join me uh, for today. He's still in he's still in Bali or Indo or wherever he is, but he Beige can't land. join me. Beijland. 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 Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have. Uh, I mean, I called Lucas second best, but I think I think I was lying. You're you're pretty much there. Um, <laughs> I got the one and only AB Angry Bird. Uh, you might know him as Steve Bailey, national director, with me in my in my left seat. Helping me co-host this thing. How are you feeling, Steve? I'm um, feeling pretty excited about hearing what uh, our guest has to share. <laughs> and hopefully I won't be on the receiving end of too much of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> we were joking a bit before that uh, the co-host might actually be Roy Harley, the international director, and we're going to be interviewing Steve. But we'll see how we go. Um, and I, I did just give it away. We're actually interviewing a very special, very special guest today, Roy Harley. Um, so welcome to the Soil Times podcast. It's good to have you. You. Thanks, man. Stoked <laughs> to be here. I'm enjoying interviewing you, uh, Steve Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for being my co-host. <laughs> well, maybe me and Steve will interview you. Oh, okay. So Turn I'm the tables. Get, I'm going to get jumped up on you. So, Roy, have you got any... Um, I heard it's called a different name in South Africa. I want you to fill us in on this a bit. Uh, Mitch and I love doing segments on Aquabogs. Oh, yeah? It's where you're out in the lineup and you, you really just need to go, um, but you can't be bothered paddling in and doing your business. You're just out there and you make the most of the situation. Um, and sometimes that means taking your wetty fully off and paddling a bit further away or whatever, but there's been some pretty funny stories of, of aquabogging. Uh, do you have any stories of an aquabog and what do you guys call it over in South Africa? I think uh, back home it's called an aquadac. Aquadac. <laughs> I actually like that. I like that too. <laughs> yeah, Sounds like a rock song. Uh, yeah, I do. So. Um, we uh, we had this. We decided we needed an end of year function, and we were going to do some fun stuff with our staff. And one of the guys is actually now living in West Oz. His name's Andy Pitt. You outed him. I outed him. <laughs> or about he outed he outed an aquadex. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we uh, I don't know. We had a whole lot of fun and did some random stuff. There was no waves, and then we found this like um, it was like high tide, and there was this we call it the swirling vortex of death it was basically the ocean was rushing into this little space and then like making this big um, mess and then like sucking out through like a little channel we all went swimming in there and it was super fun and then we went off to another mate that Steve knows called Mark Edwards and uh, he's got this beautiful like pristine lovely little rock pool and there's a few little crayfish in there that you can whip out for, for, for a snack on later mm. and uh, <laughs> Uh, Andy, to his credit, had figured out this really like sort of s- s- little hole that you could swim down and swim through. Very sketch, totally sketch. <laughs> but um, what he did, because one of the other guys I think was swimming in behind him, mm. he just just aqueduct. So you can imagine yourself diving down this little hole and then being <laughs> being chased out of the water with it. <laughs> I want to know if it was an intentional. It was it fully intentional. He had such a big smile on his face. He was so proud of himself. We all had to get out of the swim hole and just leave it for a while. It was contaminated. <laughs> yeah. No craze were eaten, hopefully, from that rock hole for a while. <laughs> no. Sure. Have you got any aqueduct stories of yourself doing doing something out there? Or just the standard? Just no comment. No comment? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The J-Bay local doesn't want to... <laughs> Hey, look, it takes skill to do it in a wetsuit, you know, especially if the water's Mm. cold. (laughs) That's as far as I'm going. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Now, you guys have got history, so surely there's some funny CS stories, not to give 
the CS leaders, current CS leaders, some ideas, but surely there's some funny stories from back in the day of you guys causing a muck. No. Nothing at all. <laughs> oh, get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, spill the beans. <laughs> hey, Bear, you got it. All me. right. Well, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 because he's the guy who instigated the story, so I think I think we should interview him on this one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get to my very first trip in the US ever, right? <laughs> and it's like the board's there from all around the world. Steve's there, and I'm there and a couple of other guys, and it's like, you know, it's supposed to be a big, serious business meeting. And Steve Bailey rocks in with about four BB guns that he's got from um, Walmart. So I'm like, man, that must have cost a bit. He's like, no, you can just take it back when you're done. <laughs> so, <laughs> it I'm out. like, what? <laughs> so he, and then he, he proceeds to hand out the BB guns to me and a couple others. And, oh, Steve, well, you can fill in some of the details, mate, but it, it got a little <laughs> raucous in the middle of a meeting. <laughs> it was all going down. Raucous is probably an understatement. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure if we ever really apologised to Brett for it. but um, Or John Mack. John Mack or any of the other current board. Um, but yeah, it got a bit wild in there. But I think my greatest highlight of that is one of them had a little laser pointer on it. <laughs> so you could just mess with their heads and turn the laser thing on in the middle of a meeting and all of a sudden someone is just like, ah, wince and like, run, like try and get out of the way right in the middle of a serious part. Yeah. A little red dot. <laughs> yeah, if we needed like a break. I mean, we weren't getting much work done. Mm. You can imagine like guys with like beating guns in their hands. <laughs> And then you could, you could, you'd wait until a real serious one, and you could, and you'd like just quietly pull the trigger under the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 God. <laughs> but it kind of devolved into a space where we were all running around. Uh, Steve was chasing me, I was chasing him, and Aaron Hughes was in the corner taking photos and laughing. Yeah. And so, pretty much ran past me at point blank range and just pulled the trigger. Boom. <laughs> So, and then, uh, then we, yeah, then it got, uh, we, we had crossed the line. <laughs> and this got, was at the time the international. Got to talking to. Oh, true. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Who was going to be talking to you guys? Well deserved. It the... was definitely deserved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at the time, you guys weren't in the roles that you're in now. No. Okay. I was. You? Oh, you were national director. This <laughs> yeah. <time. laughs> I was a national director, so there we go. Okay. Cool. So you're both national directors. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good. Just to clarify. This is not an endorsement of uh, <laughs> bringing BB guns to yeah. CS events. No CS people were harmed in this incident. No. <laughs> not physically. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you... How long have you guys known each other for? Oh, mate, that's going, that's going back a ways. Yeah, I... Must be... Must be over 20 years. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, easy. Late 90s, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Bali maybe was one of the first ones, I remember. What was before Bali? Or was it? Well, Sydney was the first, the very first yeah. Christian surfers one. At the conference? Um, yeah. Yep. But I would have... We I had a leadership before, meeting, yeah. Before that, um, probably... Because, um, yeah, BD was pulling things together through mm. 99 and travelling the world. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I think there'd been some other things that had happened around that sort of space. Mm. But, yeah. Yep. Mm. <laughs> Long time. Long time. A <laughs> lot of history. Oh, I love yeah. it. Well, Roy, let's let's jump into yourself a bit. I want to know a bit more about um, the international director, Roy Harley. Tell us a bit about where you're from, where you've grown up, a bit of your faith story maybe, and how you've, how you've steered yourself into where you're at now. 
Uh, I grew up in South Africa. I was actually born in Johannesburg, which is nowhere near the ocean. Um, my dad got a job down in Durban, which is sort of subtropical, kind of like uh, up, up here near the Goldie. And that's where I started surfing. Actually, my my mate, who, who, uh, he was like, hey, mate, we should go hang out at the beach. There's a lot more girls that hang out there. <laughs> Seriously, that's what he said to me. So it was quite a mission. I was inland. We, we'd get a ride to the beach, and um, we got there. It was howling onshore. Uh, it was horrible. There was, like, I don't know what you guys call them, blue bottles, Portuguese men at war in the ocean. Um, paddled out on a borrowed board from someone's back garage. Mm. It was a Sean Thompson single fin. Thrusters were out, but it was a, it was a single fin. D- did they know you borrowed it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it had been left in the sun, so it had, like, a, a variegated deck, you know, but, like, <laughs> yep. like with massive big bubbles, thing, bubbles yeah. in it. Like, you could feel it pop up and down <laughs> but I caught this wave and man I just loved it and so from then my mate spent a lot of time on the beach I spent all my time in the ocean so mm. and that was sort of my the beginning of um, I love your guys statement I found my tribe mm. because in some ways I think surfing found me and like uh, there was massive grommet boost back in the day you know upside down in dustbin duct tape the whole deal <laughs> bring back the grit yeah for sure I mean it was it was full on but you were their grom like you know these weren't Christian this wasn't a Christian crew it was the local crew I surfed with but mm. they, but like you belong to this tribe and mm. for me as a kid that was uh, well the, the fact that I just loved the, the feeling of surfing and I, I was a little ADHD and probably not the best at school <laughs> I had the unique reputation of having to appear me and one other guy in the school had to appear before the principal every morning for about a month and go hey mister I don't want to say his name here I am and they'd be like okay Holly off you go <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was that's how I started surfing and um, yeah and my faith story mm. I was about 16 surfing was pretty much everything in my world at, at that stage yeah, I mean, I can tell you a funny story. I was ditching school one day. I had got, I was actually, my, my dad's 85 now, and we were talking about this just before I came on this trip. Um, anyway, so I was ditching school out of my school uniform. I've got my boardies on, and I'm standing on the side of the road, hitching to the beach. And the next minute I see this car, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's my dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> Caught out. I was, and you know, he was he was amazing. He said he just drove past, and I I was so scared that night, man. I, was, I thought I'm 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 done, you know. <laughs> and he came home. He didn't say a single thing, mate. And we're having dinner. And he just goes, "Oh, so how was school today?" <laughs> <laughs> That's Played cruel. Played the psychology. Yeah, he totally <laughs> with a little smirk on his face. Yeah. How was school today? And he yeah, didn't yeah. tell my mom either. So my mom was just like chowing down on her food, you know. And I'm like. Oh. <laughs> Go, Dad. Go, Dad. Yeah. It's too funny. Um, so, yeah, then I'm, there was a, a youth group, and I joined that. I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I had faith. Uh, I would say that I think God is too big to be a satellite in our world, and sometimes we try and make God the satellite, but he will never be able to be a satellite. And so for me, this was, you know, my faith was this thing that I did. It wasn't, it wasn't everything. And... At about 16, there was this girl in this youth group that invited me to go to a camp. It was a pretty crazy camp. Um, honestly, it was nowhere near the ocean. So when I found that out, I was like, there's no way. There's no way I'm ditching school for five, I mean, ditching five days of holidays surfing mm. to go to this Christian camp thing. Was it crazy before you went or just after you went? <laughs> Actually, I got into trouble on the first day. <laughs> 
Not bum. Not. I didn't. I didn't mean to be get in trouble. You know, like it wasn't like I was trying. <laughs> I, I, it was. I'm serious. I think that's something about surfers, right? Yeah. Mm. So we got yep. there. There was this huge big quarry, beautiful big quarry, and they're like, to, like a th- couple thousand kids. Don't swim in the quarry, quarry, because you know th- there's uh, effluent that aqueducts go into that. <laughs> right. And they were like, but they they positioned it as a choice. Like you you shouldn't do this because it's not going to be good for you. And then it was sort of raining and it was like a like a slip and slide. So me and a couple of other surfer guys were like launching back summies into it. Going, well, we, we'll take a chance. Yeah. Mate, they hauled us out, pulled us in front of the whole committee like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing that? We told you not to." We said, "No, you didn't. You just said it's probably not a good idea." Mm. <laughs> you probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So we missed the messaging. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that's a lack of communication, though, Roy. That's not on you, surely. No, it wasn't on me. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the crazy thing was, we really didn't know we had done wrong, mm. which seemed to be most of my life. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, isn't it? <laughs> And I think there's a lot in that that has to do with my faith story because, you know, it, it's funny now when you look back, but actually I felt like a just a, this surfy dirtbag kid that didn't fit anywhere mm-hmm. and uh, somehow always found myself in trouble unintentionally, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. You just saw opportunities, that's uh, all. Yeah, but it wasn't like... Opportunities for fun. <laughs> I, well, I think it was fun. You're right. It was this desire to have fun, which really, I think, connected me again with surf culture. I think there's so much about our surf culture that just loves to have fun mm. and kind of put me, I guess, cross-cultural with all these institutions. And I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, mate. So, you know, at this camp, this guy preaches the story and literally is basically saying, God is too big to be a satellite in your world. Like, mm. you need to come to a place where you surrender everything and make him the center around which you orbit. And uh, in that space that night it was just such a strong call and I was holding white knuckling the chair I was in because I didn't want to go up to the front but I just knew I needed to go up and I got quite nervous I thought oh, if I don't let go of this chair I'm going to be at the front with the chair <laughs> I'll be that kid the chair, the kid at the front holding the chair and they accuse you of stealing a chair exactly that's probably how it would roll yeah exactly <laughs> got up to the front and there was a, the drummer was like praying for all these different kids there was a whole lot of us up at the front and the drummer came over and like I ended up with him and he asked me to pray a very strange prayer that I'd never prayed before and it was to the Holy Spirit and I basically just said, Holy Spirit, here's my life. I've got nothing to offer you that's of value. And I really, at that point, meant it. Like, I have nothing that I can give you that is of value. I'm not mm-hmm. doing great at this. I'm not doing great at anything. And, you know, I'm just trying to figure this all out. And I, and I really struggled with self-image at the time. And it was just, you know, really, I was just your teenage kid that was just an anonymous, you know, guy that was stuck in this crowd. And, um, and... I prayed that to the Holy Spirit and everything changed. For some people, it's a slow burn. For me, it was bang. Just felt this joy and this release and this excitement and just abundant energy, like crazy energy. Didn't do any like of the speaking in tongues or prophecy thing at the time, nothing at all. Just, just this joy and energy and this mm. new life just flooded me, full mm. tilt. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's cool. That's amazing. So good. Mm. So from there... Where did CS come into into the picture? Well, not straight away, and there was a good long, good gap between there, you know. So I think <laughs> it's so nice to say, "Oh, I'm going to change and become the satellite around his gravity," mm-hmm. 
but actually that takes time and for me it was a, a, about a three three year process through all sorts of different things in South Africa that, are, that was happening at the time but generally essentially what happened was God kept tapping this thing and saying hey you've, you've surrendered everything but you haven't surrendered surfing mm. surfing and I remember this very key moment I was in the kitchen having this like teenage argument with my mom and she pointed at me and said surfing's your God and I went, I said, no, it's not. But in my heart, I was like, she's right. Like, this is the thing that I worship. This is the thing that I will sacrifice everything for. Family, friends, relationships. I'll sacrifice everything to go surfing uh, and to get better at surfing. And this wasn't like an instant thing. God worked with me over three years. And, you know, I'd, I'd try and serve him and he'd keep bringing me back to that point. But you haven't surrendered this. In some ways, there's that scripture where he talks about the rich young ruler. Mm. And the, the rich young ruler walks away from Jesus because he's wealthy. And people make that all about wealth. It's not, it's not about money. It's about what is at the center of his world. So Jesus recognized that for that particular young guy, he was wealthy. And that was his gravity. That was his security. That was his sense of w- what my life's about. Mm-hmm. And how do I put God into a nice little satellite so that I can you know, tick off the afterlife and get it all done and dusted. Mm. And <clears throat> I think we have made mistakes in the past about preaching that, but that's not it. God, God asked us to come and lay it down and lay everything down, hand over the pen of our life so that he becomes the author of our faith story. Mm. And in that process, in, in handing everything over to him, he writes a better story than I think we could ever think of. Mm. And so for me, he kept touching that thing. And um, I, had a, I decided I'm gonna give up surfing Sold my board, sold my wetsuit, and I was going to... You sold everything? I did, yeah. That's pretty committed. Yep. I sold it to my brother. He never paid me. So (laughs) So you gave it away then? You didn't sell it? No, well... No, I definitely sold it. I was like, it's done. And my brother Andy was like, okay, I'll I'll take it from you. (laughs) But yeah, wetsuit wetsuit was gone. He took took the board. Probably 10 days before I went and worked, I was going to go work up in northern part of the country in really rural, like incredibly remote, unbelievably rural area, mm. this pastor phoned me and said, oh, I've got a job for you. I'll pay you money, give you a salary, car. I want you to come. He was offering me a job at a church right across the road from my favorite surf spot at the time. And basically it was like my dream life, you know. And I was like, mate, I, I can't do that. And uh, I really feel called to, to go in this direction. And he was like, nope, you're wrong. You got it wrong. I mean, I, I was a kid, right? So, how do you? What do you say? And I was eventually, I just went, look. Even if I am wrong, I'm doing what I think God's asked me to do. Mm. So I have to do this, like mm. you know. Um, and I look back at that moment, and I recognize. And even then, when I went to this place, it was gnarly as. I mean, mm. I was living in a caravan. I was the only white guy for for miles. Um, the guys working with would literally pitch a five hundred seat tent. He, he was an incredible missionary guy doing unbelievable things in, in this particular local tribe. And me and another local boy, uh, one of the guys from the tribe, would hit, we'd go out into the bush and he would pitch, he'd park a caravan, pitch his five and seat a tent, and he'd be like, hey, Bree, heal the sick, cast out demons, and I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> this is at me at 20. And, he, and I was like, what? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> And I, I went from being like this cool surfy kid to being the freak. Mm. Like I, was, I had long blonde hair, little ginger beard. <laughs> <laughs> ginger ninja. I was, a, <laughs> so good. I was a ginger ninja for sure. <laughs> and I had to pump water into a bucket. That's how I bathed. Um, wow. No cell phones, um, n- nothing like that. Probably no cell phones for anyone then, was it? No, no cell phones for anyone. Like <laughs> to get to a phone, I'd have to jump on a bicycle and 
right about 12Ks. Yeah. And it was just the most gnarly experience. I wish I could say it was great and it was, you know, it was amazing, but it wasn't. It was terrible. I hated it. Mm. I'd wake up every morning and people, like I was the freak, right? Like mm. I was the entertainment. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I, I, I literally was. I literally was. I couldn't speak the language. I was this weird looking long-haired blonde thing. Hey, mom, I've <laughs> run away to the circus. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think, I think I, now when I look back, I know why he left me there with the local kid because the local kid was preaching. I was just the, the sideshow. I was sideshow Bob. Come and watch. Come and look at the long-haired weird guy, you know. You say something about um, in that particular trial they had a, uh, an idea that, um, there was a white ghost around as well. Yeah, so the moms, the moms would um, would tell their kids, "Hey, if you're naughty, this white ghost is going to get you." The, the baby, little kids, you know, talking about the two, two, three year olds. So I got two stories. This is the sad one. But I was walking down the road, and this little kid, he must have been about two or three, sees me for the first time, and he's just like, he wraps his fingers around this fence, and he, I can see it to this day, and he squeezes, his knuckles are going white, and he just starts. Reaming in horror oh, oh no. and terrified at this white ghost thing with long blonde hair that's walking past. Oh, and his no. mom comes, you know when a mom runs out of it when the kid screams, there's a certain sound kids make, there's mm. a parent, you'll know this. And mate, she came running out thinking like something had got her kid, you know? <laughs> and I'm trying to, like I'm wanting to go say to the kid, hey, it's okay, but I'm realizing that I'm the reason that the kid's terrified. Oh. So she came, grabbed him and took him away. And then there was this cool song called Jabalani Africa, and I used to sing that on a guitar. And so all the older kids, like the nine, ten-year-olds, would call me Jabalani. So I'd be cruising down the road, they'd be like, hey, Jabalani! <laughs> like, I'd play soccer with them and stuff. And But it was this group of people had never seen the ocean. Mm. So from being in surfing, they'd never seen it, right? And I just, I was done, man. I just couldn't do this. I was burning out. I was cultural shock. In every way, I was burning out. Um, so I hiked up a little mountain with a blanket, set a big fire up in the bush on the hill, beautiful stars, and I just like, Lord, just you got to you got to come in here. Like, what is going on? And it's funny because at that moment, I actually remember saying, Look, you can have surfing, and it it felt very much like the Isaac moment where I was like, I'm laying, I've made the decision to lay this down. I will serve you, however you choose me to serve you, mm. and you can give me surfing back or take the desire away because even in the bush I had this desire to go back to the ocean and I was like either take the desire away and I'll serve you however you want or give it back to me hmm. and but there was this point of release and I think at that moment I feel like the, the switch happened that you know um, I'm satellite he's gravity and um, things just started changing from that moment on boom 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 next thing I knew I was speaking at um, Andy Pitt's contest the, the aqueduct guy. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who voice his name now is Aqueduct. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. <laughs> um, Can I ask a question on yeah. a bit of a different tangent? Yeah. That intentionality you had around surfing mm. before you gave it up, mm. did you find that a helpful um, character trait uh, once you started in ministry? Like, did you find that intentionality of everything revolves around surfing? Mm. Did you find that actually help you or hinder you once you had the satellite gravity in order? I'd definitely say that um, it it helped me because not just not just that, but surfing in itself, if you think of surfing, right, there's a pretty high barrier to entry. 
to get to backline, like and to actually be able to surf proficiently. Mm. It's it's not something that you can just pick up or do on a we- you know do on a weekend. You've got to learn to duck dive. You've got to learn to <laughs> which side of the board to put wax on. You've got to learn to you, and then as you get better at surfing and want to challenge yourself in waves, you got to work for that. You got to work harder and your tribe acknowledges that it's mm. it's something like you know even in durban in years later there would be um there's that that organ- incredible organization called surfers not street kids and that's because those street kids once they become surfers they've got to progress through all of those layers of surfing to get to backline and you can be the ceo of some company or a street kid but at backline you know there's a different tribe and there's a different rule of respect and there's a different pe- mm. pecking order and, and, yeah. and it's, it's almost no one cares what your day job is or what you do on land and I think the, the commitment that that took, um, as you start falling in your faith, it's a similar, it's a similar thing. You know, you, yeah. you got this. It, it's almost like when when I really got gave my life to Jesus, I wanted all my surfing mates to experience this. Just like when I was a school kid, I wanted my surf my non-surfing friends. I was like, mate, this is the best possible thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. Like, come, yeah. let's go surfing. And if I think of them, a couple of them started surfing, and a whole majority of them didn't. And Certainly, the bigger majority didn't carry on, mm. but probably those same groups are still surfing. Well, that's good. I love hearing that part of your story where um, you almost had an ultimatum of something that you that you you mentioned as your like dream job. The offer that that pastor gave to you was something that you thought would would fully fulfil you at the time. You know, you living on the beach, a car, a job, um, youth ministry, all this stuff. You could surf still, but your decision to go out and give up surfing and follow what you felt was right. Um, there's a lot of obedience in that and like so admirable. If there's anyone out there listening thinking that maybe God's saying something to them, maybe God's prompting them in a different direction, like how do you feel like God was speaking to you in that moment and how do you know that that was just a, a conviction of yours that you had to follow through with? Um, well, I think, you know, that, that's, I kind of stumbled forward. Uh, and I think if, if anyone out there is listening, like he is so gracious. I know a lot of folk in surfing that God's always challenged and still does challenge all of us around, you know, anything in our life really that would try and take the center because it just doesn't work. But for my mate, it was, you know, 40 days. Mm-hmm. And for so many other people, it was so short. I think that I was just um, pretty stubborn and he was gracious enough to take three years. It, you know, I almost feel like I could have got across that hurdle much quicker mm-hmm. so I'd say that I actually just stumbled forward and tried to be obedient just the way he had worked it was it was so personal and so clear that this is what he was asking me to do and to be honest when I made that decision I was leaving to go and do this thing in the bush and go oh my gosh am I making the biggest mistake of my life you know and like mm-hmm. like Lord I'm, I'm betting on you here because I think this is what you want me to do if it's not please change the path and you know, if you can, you want to fast forward a couple of years, like a whole bunch of years, mm. uh, 2004 International Christian Surfers Conference is happening in Hossigal. Um, from that moment, things just happened. Me and my mates started Christian Surfers in South Africa as, as uni students. I'm in France in 2004, sun setting in the Atlantic Ocean, just this beautiful, pristine beach. It's, it's full moon, so the water's right, washing right up and down. So it's washed all the footprints away, and it's just mine left as I'm walking up the beach. And I look back at the sunset, this perfect like A-frame, you know, barrels at um, La Gravier, uh, Hossigal. Just in my heart, God says, I told you I'd give you a dream, hmm. you know. 
and just a little further on that that same camp Britt Merrick was speaking and he was preaching on you know what tribe has God called you to do, to reach now as a South African I'm going is it the Pere the Swane the Zulu the Koza you know the English Afrikaans like hey God you got to be a little more specific here <laughs> and I really was wrestling with that like well where do you want me to go what do you want me to do you know and Brett Davis founder of CS came and put his hand on my shoulders and in front of me is this picture of all these nations worshipping God in, in a time of worship and and Brett goes with tears in his eyes he goes that's the pearl of great price that's that's the treasure in the field Roy looking at these surfers that are worshipping him and absolutely instantaneously God goes that's your tribe that's the tribe I've called you to reach be a witness to that tribe and I think surfers are the same no matter where you go in the world you know we've got great things about our culture we've got dark things about our culture localism is the same at any any good point break um, respect and how, how the lineup works is, is the same but man you know I, w- I want my mates who surf with me to to hear the, the story that's right for them you know and it's, it's their choice but I want them to hear about this Jesus yeah mm. I just want to hear the timeline a timeline a little bit from when you felt like God gave you back surfing and then you said things had fallen back into line started to pick up a bit for you you were speaking at different spots and um, and you know things started lining up a bit more for you from then when did you start the CS mission a bit more when did you start to plug into it I think it, well the journey there is interesting because I think at, from that moment on I didn't look for it but things would find me hey I hear you're a Christian and a surfer and then you know and this is before Christian surfers existed globally so in South Africa it ended up being called Sun Surf S-O-N as in the Son of God mm. that actually you'll see that Andy Pitt's got a pretty big part to play in all this because uh, Andy was part of a Baptist church and the Baptist pastor had run this, this contest called the Sun Surf Contest so Andy was running the contest called the Sun Surf Contest and they'd heard about this other guy who was a Christian and a surfer and they'd asked me to come down and speak at it and so those kind of things just happened and there was me, Andy, and one other guy named Craig Cuff, and we were all believers. Um, fast forward some time, I was in some Christian ministry thing, uh, some conference, and someone said, well, how many, how many non-Christians do you get that come to your surf contest? And I was like, I don't understand the question. What do you mean? He was like, well, how many non-Christians come to your, co- like, what's the, you know, the, the ratio? The ratio? Mm-hmm. I'm like, mate, I don't, there's no, they're all non-Christians. <laughs> you know, like a few of us are mates who are Christians, but like the reason that we're running this event is because we want to share what we found, mm-hmm. the secret spot with some of our friends. And anyway, so I got involved with that. And then this is a, this is a really cool part of how God works. Um, I know that we up on so Lennox Heads, so at, at Lennox Heads, and I know Coffs Harbour is not too far away from here. So I was working, I had a labor job and it was paying me pretty well, but it was, it was really hard work. And um, this Aussie guy from Coffs Harbour was traveling around South Africa and he had his host situation had fallen through. So I was like, oh mate, you can come stay with us. I'm like, I don't live too close to the beach, but you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and turns out he was a believer and he was uh, part of a thing called Christian Surfers. And I'd been just been asked to go and speak at this wow. other church camp down in Cape Town. And it's a 14-hour bus ride. And I'm, I'm like, there's a thing called Christian surfers? <laughs> what is that? And like he was telling me about it and he was telling me about all these different things. And I'm like, well, we're going to give this a crack. And yeah. so pretty much that's how it started. If you guys could give it a crack, we could give it a crack. Mm. <laughs> True. So you reached out to the CS over here CFS Australia and you said hey can we join on to what you're doing or no 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 so it was it was kind of happening we you know me Andy Pitt and Craig Cuff we, we, we had a strategic planning meeting yeah 
No, we didn't, mate. We just had a premium. We didn't even know what a strategic planning meeting was. <laughs> we got together at the end of that contest and, and we were like, Lord, we want to do something for you. And our big strategy was, okay, each of us are going to different parts of the country. Just do something. <laughs> Seriously, that was it. Yeah. So I ended up in Cape Town. Well and planned. you, Yeah. Well resourced. We are, absolutely. <laughs> just go and do something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And... Uh, yeah, I ended up in Cape Town. Andy was in East London, which is about uh, a thousand k's north, and Craig was in PE at university, and all independently just did something. Mm. And the Cape Town thing, I got connected with a couple of other guys, met some guys, and uh, started a little m- local mission. It grew, and then it just kept growing, and just kept growing, and then we 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 wrote to Brett <laughs> mm. pre-email. <laughs> and he, I didn't write letters, mate. I'm, I was the worst communicator. <laughs> and I got this letter back, though. I got a letter back from Australia, you know, yeah. Brett Davis. And he was like, basically, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what good, I said. Good plan. Go for it. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> We're just going to do it. Is that all right? <laughs> Great to hear from you guys. Keep cracking on. And, and hats off to Brett. I think the, the reason that there's Christian surface globally This really was something God did all over the world, you know. It was happening in Brazil. It was called Sofista de Cristo. And uh, it's definitely started in Australia and and then I think New Zealand and then the US and the UK. That was in the 80s. Uh, the 90s it was pretty much Brazil and South Africa and and as Brett started touching and communicating with all of these folk he he really saw the vision that we could be better together mm. we could have been in a federation of a whole lot of different independent missions and ministries mm. but he saw a bigger vision and um, yeah hats off to him and Gil and the kids for pulling us all together and that's where I got to meet Steve you know he was pulling all these leaders together and allowing conversation to happen mm. uh, building the culture of Christian surfers this culture that you know is, is embedded in our values values today you know servant hearted people of integrity inclusive like there's a reason that our culture has those things in it mm. um, and it, it comes really from a lot of the work that I think Brett modeled that you know mm. yeah, very much there's their foundational values really yep. they're not sort of things that have evolved and grown they've been the foundational values yep. that have just kept yep. getting stronger mm. and there were other surf ministries at the time so I think what you're saying there Steve is so key you know it was it was those foundational ma- values that almost became like the root mm. it's the it's the flavor of who we are as a movement yeah. Uh, we gospel centered, we servant hearted, we people of integrity, we inclusive and, and may God keep it that way. You know, I think your values are measured not by what you write down, but what others see you live out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You should be able to uh, picture and see what an organization or movement's values are without mm. actually having to ask them. You, yep. should, you should be able to see them. Yeah. That's what we taste like. Yeah. 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 Mm. So you stepped into national director in the 90s? was re- leading a local chapter which grew and then it became more than that and then it became a national movement so I was like by default two years time I'll be the national leader <laughs> it was quite funny eh, because um, me and another guy one of the guys that uh, made a recommitment was a guy named Dimitri Nikiforis a really really good buddy of mine Christian service would not be South Africa would not be anywhere and my life would not be where it was if it wasn't for him mm. and he was just I was like zero admin, like minus 10. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> well, ironically, I think I, yeah. <laughs> I've certainly changed now um, and actually really in, 
enjoy the sort of yeah, never mind the structural side of things or the strategic side of things. This is getting recorded. I know. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not administrative, but I love administrators because they help me do a better job. Oh yeah. <laughs> Amen. But um, Amen. so Dimitri was that. Dimitri was. Uh, I think he just he thought he was a strategic thinker, but he he was. Um, it's so hard to explain. We just worked really well together, mm. and we'd ride off to somebody and go. It was so not about title. So it would be like, we need a sponsorship for this event that we're running, and Dimitri would be like, "What should I put on the piece of paper at the bottom?" I'm like, "I don't know. What do you think the guy'd like to hear?" Director. It's like, "Oh, right, right there, national director." So he'd write letters as national director, and then yeah. we, we just used titles to accomplish tasks. Yeah. Actually, and when I look back now, I realize it was we we, we weren't really fussed about. Who was doing what? We were just serving together, mm. and then I think as it got a bit more organised, you know, we had to put put things in place. And but really, mate, in the beginning, I was the I was by default. Uh, that CS went CS South Africa or Sunsurf South Africa went through a bit of a rocky road. Um, I was burning out as well, and I I handed over leadership. That was a a whole story in and of itself. It was really painful. And I don't want to say too much, but the guy who took over me over from me wasn't um, living it. I didn't know it at the time, but he was sort of instated as the leader, and he wasn't living his best life. He was there was moral failure, and the whole thing crashed and burned. And everything that we had built over the last probably while we were uni students and taking a massive step up to uni mm. to go out and do Christian surfers was huge because no, we try to fit it into YWAM or a scripture union. And we really tried, you know, and eventually we were the, 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 the main guy was a really nice guy heading up scripting at the time. He said, mate, you got a unique vision. It's not going to fit it's you. too much grit for us. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. And uh, wow, there was a lot of grit back then, bro. <laughs> it was pretty wild. Like, you got to ask yourself this question. Like, would you give yourself a go as a leader if, you came, if your 19-year-old self came back to you today? Oof. And I have to be honest, like if 19-year-old Roy came back to me, I'd be like, mate, <laughs> I'm not sure about you, buddy. <laughs> and there were so many people that gave Sam us a go. Ouch. It is true, but in some ways, I think that's also what makes Christian surfers, right? We, we, yes. Because we were given a go, we're happy to give Mavericks a punt. Mm. That's why you're here, Sam. Maverick, bro. You're going to change the world. So good. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> That's yeah. so true. Wow, what a question. Would you give your 19-year-old self a go? That's, um, that's definitely a challenging one. I'm sure a few people... Just but I'm sure if you think about it, you'll probably f- remember and recall people who saw something. Mm. They saw something in you and mm. went worth the gamble mm. let's see what happens mm. and they took a bit of a risk and I think mm. that's a really important part of it is actually you know some people have you see a glint in their eye and you're like that person's going to be a world changer what mm. have I got to do to help them mm. you know? mm. and even though they look, might look like a mess mm. you just know there's something mm. about them that God's planted in mm. them or I don't know what it is but you know they're going to be a world changer and mm. you just do whatever you can to help them Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the, that is something I've loved about uh, the leadership in Christian Surfers. And to be honest, Steve, that's something I've loved watching you do, you know, watching other leaders who are looking not for just the the practical skills that someone can bring to a role, 
you know, I need someone who's proficient in this or someone who could do that. And that's needed for sure. And that is part of growth. And it's just looking beyond that sometimes as someone who is a mess, mm. but there's just a, a little something that has to do with an indefinable little thing that's, you know, that gives you a sense that they've got a, a heart that's soft towards God because mm. God mm. can work with that. Mm. In fact, I think he loves to work with the mess because yeah. at the end of the day, if people who are messy do something, they're definitely not claiming it for themselves. Mm. You know, there's no way that I could have written the story of my life. And there's no way. Yeah. If I'd spoken to myself at 19, I'd have told you that you're lying, mate. There's <laughs> yeah. no way, no way that I'm going to be doing any of that. <laughs> I think just, uh, you know, Sam, you're actually a... It sounded a bit harsh, but in a way... No, it's good. Give it remember to me. <laughs> when you, you and uh, Mitch first, the first time you were doing the uh, MC role. Yep. And I was briefing you guys before that. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, boys, you know I like to dance the line, Mm. but please be sensitive if the spirit's moving. Be sensitive to what's going on or, you know, people need a bit of space. Just, you know, be able to read the room really well. But, you know, I do like to dance the line. Sam takes two steps away, turns around and goes, all I heard was dance the line and walks off. (laughs) (laughs) I believe I said I love dancing and walked off, yeah. <laughs> I, I love know, dancing. I love dancing the line. <laughs> I love like dancing the line. Fantastic. We love finding it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea, though, of dancing the line, you know, dancing the line. I think uh, because I think that's where innovation and, and mission can really, you know, the fresh new thing can be found. Mm, You've got to be yeah. willing to dance the line, right? Mm. Or dance the line. Just to, yeah, dance the line. <laughs> dance the line. <laughs> <laughs> Test the waters a bit. Well, it's just, it just means you've got to, um, that we're saying, you know, bring back the grit. Mm. You've got a bit of grit to try something or, mm. st- you know, stick your neck out a little bit mm. for, mm. you know, something you think, you know, usually in our case, it's something we think might be funny or, you know. <laughs> To someone but else's detriment. So. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. But we try not to do it that way. No. But, um, yeah, that that you dance that line of like, oh, I could have a go. Mm. I could mm. do that. Mm. And if you're never given that opportunity, you, mm. I don't know, mm. become beige. Mm. Mm. I think one of the things I love uh, in those roles and when you talk about that, Steve, like the, the reason that Mitch and I love to dance the line is because I think what that does is it gives people the opportunity when they're watching to go I, th- I can just have a shot mm. and and nothing's too silly mm. and Sam and Mitch will find the line for us <laughs> and then we stop there but anything from there and we said it pretty weird like we came in on a big flamboyant uh, pink flamingo and leotard so we're, we're setting the line <laughs> we're setting the line pretty up there it's like well if Sam and Mitch are being that silly maybe I can just give something a go and it sort of just sets this experimental culture Get out of, of my comfort zone a little yeah. bit and mm. just try Push something myself. different and put yeah yeah maybe i wanted to lead worship this year and i'm um, seeing mitch and sam in a pink leotard really made me want to <laughs> get up there with the microphone <laughs> <Inspired me to laughs> worship. yeah i don't know hopefully not you guys <laughs> no. worship God, not you. <laughs> oh no no that's not what i'm saying <laughs> but look if the shoe no um no that's cool i do love that part of the cs culture so Roy, you're also a family man. Let's let's hear a bit more about your tribe, your family. What's um the kid situation, the wife situation? What's a snapshot of right now look like for you? 
Uh, right now, uh, my daughter just turned 20. My son is 19. Uh, Sharon's my wife and uh, Nathie, my son, Caitlin, my daughter. And yeah, we are surfing family on mission. And I, I would say though, that even in that and in ministry, there was a very definitive moment where I was so involved in ministry. Things were growing so well and it was so exciting. And to any of the, uh, anyone listening in who's in that space, um, I'd probably got that balance wrong again, you know, that whole satellite gravity thing. And I remember someone coming to me, my kids were small and just saying, you know, um, she wanted to have dinner with us, an incredible woman of God. and. She came afterwards. She said, "Yeah, my family was. She saw. She was praying for us, and she saw all these people around and all this activity with Christian surfers and prayer meetings, and and then she just felt sad in her spirit. And she said, God, why should I be sad? This is such a good picture.' And God said, "Lift your eyes.' And she said, she lifted her eyes and she saw Jesus and my wife and two kids in the kitchen. Hmm. And she said, Roy, you know, Jesus is in the kitchen with your family, and you have to connect with Jesus for Christian surfers to be successful." And um, what I was doing at the time was I was working really, really hard. I'd finish work. I'd come upstairs uh, for my office and I'd throw some food down the beak and then I'd just crack on working. And I had young kids. And it was such a convicting moment that I stopped that. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to be present. Uh, and Steve, you've lived that out too, you know. And, and now that I've got a 20-year-old and... Um, a 15-year-old, I'm no dad is perfect, but we are a family on mission. And if we get that right, we will win this thing and we will go the long road. But mm. to do that, your kids need to be like, I actually like Christian surfers. Mm. I, I enjoy being part of it. I feel part of it. It didn't, it didn't yeah. steal my dad away. And there was a very poignant moment um, around the season before, before I made the changes where, um, you know, Sharon looked at me and she said, I hate Christian surfers and in that moment she wasn't saying she hated Christian surfers she was saying I hate the cost that Christian surfers is putting on our family and if you tell her now she'll tell you she loves Christian surfers because it's brought so much to our family so when you when you and that's what I'd say to any young dad or any young family out there in ministry you get such a short moment with your kids you know 11 years to be the primary influence on their life um, and the the the, tra the things that you build in in those se those seasons, you, you know, sowing and reaping is a big part of how Scripture works. Mm -hmm. So when you're sowing into your family and you you're taking them with you on the journey, and you, I loved how Kirk's family has been part of this this week's meetings. And when you're doing that, you reap it. Mm -hmm. Later on in ministry, you reap a great reward. And um, yeah, everyone has their own choice. And so a lot of folk I know, you know, have. Uh, painful spaces in in terms of that and but each kid has to choose for themselves but i know that yeah i've lived it out as much as i could mm. and done and there are times when i've made some pretty unreasonable calls mm. um and it's been tough and i've had to go no i'm gonna do this it's huge mm. you see that uh in how you carry yourself and you know in your kids others mm. see it mm. and that's one of the greatest I think examples of leadership and uh, being a Jesus follower is that is mm. how your family lives and reacts mm. and, and mm. So thanks mate it's good you too and Sharon is honestly as much part of um, our success story it's our success story like I mean she's hates being on stage she doesn't like the limelight but literally, I mean, you know, she, when we started Christian Surfers, we lived off her salary. She was a teacher. She, she literally did the hard yards, got up and went to school so that I could 
run Christian surfers, you know. Wow. And uh, yeah, surfing all day and yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all I do, country. really. I just surf around the world all day. It's fantastic. <laughs> Aquadac and BB guns. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to speak into that, Steve, a bit? Being in the same similar position, or um, yeah, I just I suppose to really echo what Roy Roy said around and having those conversations with. Uh, with your wife and also with your kids as they get older about how they're feeling about the time you spend and um, you know I think you know we, we asked my kids would you still come to national gathering if mum and dad weren't coming and they went yeah absolutely <laughs> it's a like it's a great litmus test for me that mm. that that that's what they um how they view it mm. and see it and um you know the adventures are I was just sharing with some people before in 2020 when we had to cancel everything because of COVID. <clears throat> it was the first Easter that my kids had ever spent at home. Hmm. And they're sitting around going, what do normal people do at Easter? Like, I have no idea. Do people go to church or what, what happens, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, it's amazing. Because they've always, always been hmm. at gathering and loved. And probably one of the greatest things for me is my kids' normal Jesus follower there's a Christian surfers leader. Mm. That's their normal. Wow. And that's a pretty radical and inspiring mm. group of people to mm. to be your normal. Mm. Because the mm-hmm. just the way they live, care, mm. love people. Have it, fun. It shine. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, have fun. And mm-hmm. it just shines so bright and they're like, mm-hmm. I'm in that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm signing up for that. Mm. They're not, you know, they're not copying some, you know, sort of weird expression that that's on, or a certain style, and that's all they ever see. They're seeing mm. a mix mm. of cultures and denominations and mm. all sorts of stuff. Mm. Going, oh wow, this is so much bigger than the you know small expression that I might see at home. Mm. So, and I love that. I love what it's brought to our family, and we encourage, you know, as much as there's a cost, financial or mm. uh, time and. Sometimes it's really hard, especially the kids are little and you've got to cut yeah. quarter cots and prunes yeah. and, you know, you end up bringing one change of clothes for two weeks away <laughs> because the kids take up all the rest of the luggage space. <laughs> it is so worth it. Mm. It is so mm. worth the cost mm. to bring and, and expose them mm. into the world mm. of, like, Christian surface gatherings and different stuff. So, mm. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I would, um, I would have loved to have grown up and had this influence from... Like being a real young grown, I can definitely see the pros and cons. The pros of it, there's not many cons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love to hear a snapshot. Uh, we talked about this earlier, Roy, just on, uh, on what's encouraging you right now. And you, you'd obviously, there's lots of pros of you being able to travel around and, um, and see just what God's doing all over the world through CS and the tribe. Um, the one God, but different communities and different. Um, cultures that we, we we get to serve into. What's what's right now? What's encouraging for you? What are you seeing God doing right now that you'd love to share with CSA? Yeah, I think um, this has been an unusual year for me because we've had two area gatherings. So in the last month and a half, I've been to California, El Salvador, back to J Bay, uh, and then to um, Phillip Island down in Melbourne, and then now now up here to um, to Lenox, and so. And I think what's been amazing to me was I was just sitting thinking about this and I went to a church in California on a Sunday and they were talking, doing a series on the Holy Spirit. 
Then I go to El Salvador and people are talking about God's spirit moving there, you know, and then I come to J Bay and go to my local church on Sunday and they're doing a series on their surf churches. So J Bay is a surf church doing a ch- series on the Holy Spirit. And then I go to the surf church in Phillip Island and they're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, come on, Lord, like, wow. Mm. And I think that's, that's sort of an outside looking in, but being here in Australia, what's really encouraged me was um, connecting with the CSOL students and just having a sense that, you know, sometimes what we're living through, we think is not, is is just how it's it's always going to be, and maybe it will be. But there is definitely a fire. There's a there's a an openness to God's spirit, and real power, real ministry, real movement isn't isn't so much us doing something. It's us catching His groundswell. You know, God God breathes in, and I really think this happens in in movements and through Australia. Just last night at the APAC gathering of the worship and just sitting there and watching a, a, a young generation connect with God and open their hearts and say, hey, Lord, you write the script. I'm here. I want, I want to share, share your love with others. And almost just sensing this, this, this warmth of God's spirit being poured out on, uh, on Australia and on young people in a season where, where actually externally things are really tough, you know, and there is pushback. But watching watching that happen on the grassroots, watching the love and the sense of community in CS Australia and the the health of the culture is is something that I would encourage everyone to to jump onto. Like this is a beautiful season. There's a great groundswell running, and you know God is breathing and pushing His Spirit in and through Christian surfers in Australia at the time. And mate, you don't want to miss it. Don't miss it. Mm. Yeah, jump no, on it. No mess with it. No mess with it. <laughs> don't miss it. No mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean no mess with it? Well, try and shape it to mm. suit what you want or mm. um, make it look a certain way mm. or uh, mm. serve your purpose. That's such a good thing because I was thinking about that um, just yesterday. You know, I know we were chatting about the grit and all that. Um, and we want to bring some of the stuff that we had in the past, but, but in some ways God's doing a new thing and almost to encourage your generation to just lean into that and just see what comes out of it you know yeah. just enjoy the enjoy the wave mm. <laughs> enjoy where god's taking this thing he's mm. fanning it into into flame and you know you, you're going to be in, there's be some po- podcasts in the future and you're going to be on it and they're going to be asking you about well how did this all happen mm. but we don't see that in the moment no. but coming in from outside i can see it happening i can see this fire that's catching um yeah. the young people i was talking to a good friend a few weeks ago and he was um he was just, uh, we're talking about <clears throat> life and, and uh, uh, prophecies and things, words that have been spoken over us. And he said he shared one that, ha- that someone gave to him many, many years ago um, about a leaderless revival. Hmm. And um, it was very much that, just the Holy wow. Spirit moving. And it's not organized in a tent wow. or a, wow. you know. <clears throat> Beautiful, mate. You know, in a rock concert or in a yeah. church building. God just does it mm. and it just flows and mm. yeah he was just sharing and he goes I, I actually think that's that's the next that's what God's going to do next he's awesome. just going to just that undercurrent and just meet wow. people wow and uh, yeah I was, I was like wow that's that's an amazing thing mm. Mm. hope I'm around to see that because yeah. that would be awesome to watch mm. yeah I understand so, yeah that's cool that's so encouraging being couple of generations um, below and I guess coming into uh, my generation coming into the more leadership roles 
um, it's really encouraging for us to hear that because we get to really step on the shoulders of you guys and, and pick up what you guys have been carrying for a while now. And it's so encouraging to know that you guys are backing us and you're with us and you're still leading the charge, but that there is actually a movement of um, people in my generation and younger and um, we're all sort of coming up and just... I can see it too, and even being at Seasalt down in Phillip Island at the moment, it's just been, been so encouraging because I can feel that movement mm. and it's cool seeing, mm. um, cool hearing you coming from the outside perspective looking and going, you know, it's definitely happening. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. So it's so encouraging being in, being a part of it. Mm. Excited mm. to see what God does, hey. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We have a little saying in our church, just, just keep our grubby hands off it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let God mm-hmm. do his thing. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, yeah. <laughs> And it's exciting to see this next generation and what they're doing, you know, because I think the success of the real the kingdom success of any leadership era is the joy that they take in seeing the next uh, generation win. Amen. I think this gathering and others, the, the one in El Salvador, so exciting you know i mean i think there's plenty of calebs in the audience the the 80 year old the the legends that are going to go and take the hilly ground uh and still i can see something but each one of them are celebrating what's happening and recognizing that wow we are so excited to see uh what the next generation is going to do so good well is there any other last from both of you guys some final encouragements that you'd like to leave us with just as we're wrapping this all up just um, probably a little phrase that I've been thinking about, you know, um, I'm satellite, he's gravity, his love's got a constant hold on me um, in the orbit of his grace, you know, and his face and his mercy. But that would be my thing. Just just in your heart, continually, as whether you're young in your faith, old in your faith, new in your leadership, um, you know, let him just be satellite and let him be gravity. I don't really have anything as spiritual and deep as that. <laughs> <laughs> More a bit of just have a go. Yeah. Mm. God's Come speaking on, to man. you about something. Have a go. Find some people to support you. Mm. Um, help you. Give you wisdom and counsel. And just have a go. Mm. If he's planted it in you, mm-hmm. there's a reason that he's done that. Because mm-hmm. you've got what it takes to make it happen. So yeah, have a go. Mm. That's been a common thing because I feel like one of the first things you talked about when you were starting South Africa was we're just going to do it. <laughs> so it is encouraging. Just have a go. Have a crack. Mm. Well, it's been a privilege, Roy. Thank you so much for sitting and chatting with us. And Thank you guys. co-host. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks Thank for you. having me on my first uh, ever yeah. doing something like this. So. Debut hosting. I, think, I reckon you killed it. Well done. Yeah. You, you might get our subs up to 1,000 up to a thousand so we can finally get that um tattoo yes. on Lucas. Oh man, come like on. Before, come on, let's get that be, tattoo you done. Get there. <laughs> Tell your friends. Yeah. Even if you don't want to listen to Sam and Mitch, just <laughs> Just <laughs> so press following. <laughs> press following. Um to wrap up Roy real quick, is there anything we can be praying for for you and the fam? Yeah, I just I think this as my kids get older this next season that we would continue just to walk uh, and follow him. You know, I, I really would uh, appreciate prayers around that, um, and that we'd be sensitive enough to, to listen to his voice um, mm. as things shift and change. Yeah, sweet. All right, you heard the man. Get praying. If you need to pause the podcast now and do it, do that. Um, if not, write it down and make it your daily. And be praying for the Baileys as well. Mm-hmm. They, um, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
They do a lot for us. So, cool. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for coming in and chatting. Thanks, mate. um, Really appreciate this. This has been fantastic. Sick. Well, catch us next time. Yeah.